0: Hello, everybody. Happy Tuesday. We are back for another podcast live in the studio. We're very excited to be with you. There's a ton of stuff in this podcast. We're packing it deep because it is a lot of car conclusions in this
1: one. We haven't done car conclusions for a long time, and you guys have been very faithful writing to it's us. It's awesome. I love Whether it. Whether we featured you in an episode or not, yep. you've sent us your car conclusions. They range from funny to basic to fill the need to great it's stories. Amazing so We're, we're sharing yeah, a lot of those stories. Sure. We still have a great backlog. Continue to write us car conclusions mm-hmm. because we like doing it, but it's been a it, while since we've it does.
0: It has. And we have other things going on, as you probably know. We are prepping for our north trip with our cars of the past. We're actually very excited about to that. To the one. north. Yes, to the north we must go. While it is summertime and we can get places, we're going <laughs> exactly. north. We're gonna still be I'm
1: kind of expecting snow. It wouldn't surprise me. It wouldn't surprise me either. I mean it's a good
0: thing we're still on the WRG fours. Yep. We're on the all weather tires. We were headed north, so looking forward to that. The the random irony of this north trip, I'm gonna steal a little bit of Paul's thunder right now, is that he got his air conditioning fixed. And now I'm hoping that it's going to be a cold trip <laughs> just for the laugh. Just just
1: to spite me, I, I am, but I have sure. air conditioning. You I do. will not
0: be hot. You will not. That is true. You're going to freeze yourself out. You may be wearing a jacket. Who I, knows? We'll see. Will. Uh, meanwhile, we have still have TV going on. Season 11 on Motor Trend is happening. I am expecting it to be available on Amazon and Vimeo very very soon. I will let you know as soon as it is available both places. That is happening. Our 86 comparison, the 80, R86, the mm-hmm. BRZ, and the GR, pardon me, the FRS or the GT86 first-gen Hakoni edition is out. The comments are wildly varied. <laughs> I would just like to state.
1: That was delicate.
0: In my own defense. Buried, are they? That Yes, we know that horsepower and torque cross over the same thing, and I didn't speak about it well, and people have... Headed down rabbit trails.
1: Yes, but it'll be like the uh, Mustang GT mm. in Germany. Yes. When our friend Thomas Helmansik said basketball was invented in the U.S., and everybody corrected him.
0: Uh huh. And it made the piece wildly successful because of all the people commenting, You got that wrong. Because we have actually heard this, we've heard this documented that engagement is all YouTube cares about. So if some people actually, and we didn't do this, some people actually do things wrong on purpose. So most people will tell them that they're wrong to drive up their video views. We didn't do that. That We didn't do that. We're aware of it. The other thing going on, speaking of things we're aware of is yes, there is this RTV issue happening with this car, this GR86. I have read all the comments that people now think. Forget the IMS bearing. The IMS bearing is like didn't happen to any cars IMS by what? comparison. Exactly. This is apparently a plague that will now happen to every single one of these cars ever made. I don't know if you heard that. Yes. That is the latest internet people information. Are just
1: waiting for our car these, to blow up.
0: These cars may actually sit in on dealer lots and just spontaneously combust. They, it will they happen. Might. You thought <clears throat> they were hard to get. Now they're easy to find. So this is sarcasm for those of you not following along. I, I would like to say. That we are aware of it. It has not happened to our car. If it did, we would certainly tell you. We have videos coming up that are comparisons that will not mention this issue, but we will have a video that does. So I'm just putting that out there. We know. And plus, by the way, you should also note, this is ongoing.
1: Yes. Well, the IMS was ongoing,
0: right? Oh, yeah, for sure. It's the hottest part of the summer, and if you think about it, your dashboard is on the front line of the battle against sun and sun damage, and it really deteriorates over time due to all the UV. A custom Covercraft dash mat protects your dash and keeps it looking new, as well as complementing your interior.
1: With a wide variety of fabric styles and colors, you can even customize your dash mat with embroidery or logos like the Everyday Driver logo, or make it completely unique to you and your car.
0: When you're shopping at Covercraft.com, remember to use the code EVERYDAY22 to get a 10% discount, and it ships for free. To get to Covercraft, you can follow the link from our sponsors page or go directly to Covercraft.com for high-quality covers and dash mats that keep your car protected and looking its best.
1: It's been forever since we've talked car conclusions. Thank you guys for writing to us. We're going to start out with Daniel J., who got his wife to sign up for Bring a Trailer, and her handle is (laughs) at Minister of Finance. So if you find at minister underscore of underscore finance somewhere on bring a trailer, you know, that's Daniel's wife. I love it. He says on top of that, she let him buy a 10th car the week that he wrote to us. What warehouse do you have, Daniel? I guess so. It's a 1977 Datsun B210 shipping from California. Did he win the wife lottery or what? I see it. I see it. I do
0: love when stuff that we talk about works its way into conversations that don't directly relate to this show. I
1: love that. That's wonderful. It's one of my favorites. Anthony C. writes to us after many hours of listening to the podcast and many more searching and researching for a weekend fun car. He just picked up a 1993 Corvette. Mm. Great job. Well done. That's really cool. I love it. He says, despite him always loving cars and all things fast, it was listening to you, Todd, talk about the experiences you've had with your son Mm. and the bond you've gotten over your love for cars that made him finally pull the trigger. That's cool. I'm glad that it's been helpful. That's good. Absolutely. Well, Anthony's son is four years old and more car obsessed than Anthony ever was. Mm. The look on his face when he saw it in the driveway already justified the purchase. Parks into the driveway, says, hey, so what do you think? It already goes, that was worth it. I lo- That's amazing. I <laughs> love fun He's looking forward to driving and maintaining it with him. He asks me, what does he need from Griot's if he doesn't have hours every week to wash and wax? Mm-hmm. Well... Speed Shine is one of their best products. It's the longest lasting product. really good. And it's so great between washes. There's the rinseless wash and wax, which you can always do. You want to make sure you don't wipe again with the same place on the rag where you wiped, but get some of their great microfiber towels, rinseless Mm -hmm. wash wash and wax. Mm. But Speed Shine and Ceramic Speed Shine is so great for between washes, but you got to make sure you do it (laughs) consistently so you don't go a month. Sure. You didn't wash your car and then try. No, you need to wash, get the dirt off. But that's what foam cannons are for.
0: It, that, that's the thing. If you can actually use a hose, then the foam cannon, I am not skilled, as we have all talked about, about washing the car. And even I end up with good-looking cars thanks to the Griot's <laughs> products and the foam cannon. So you can do that, too. Josh D.
1: writes to us. He's been loyal to Volkswagen Auto Group his whole life, owning too many Audis and Volkswagens to count. Wow, okay. The car he owned until a few weeks before writing to us is a white gag 2016 <laughs> S3. <laughs> is that a new trim? Oh, wait. No, sorry. I'm commentary yeah. on the side. A uh,
0: little bit separate
1: little side note. His father got his dream car. We think his family thinks it's one of maybe two in the U.S. 2021 Pulse Orange Audi TTRS. So the whole family is oh, a little bit about Audi and Volkswagen. So. That's what we're hearing now. Yeah. Maybe one day Josh will share the unspeakable list of family cars which his father and brother both agreed should never be shared with the ministries of finance.
0: So wait a minute. Wait a minute. What? You're talking, Josh, about how you and your family, you and your your, your dad and brother, have owned multiple cars <laughs> that your ministers of finance do not know existed. By the way, your whole family now listening to the podcast has gotten into a tense discussion. <laughs> Say, I'm just letting you know. Danger. It's out. The discussion is happening Where right now. Where is but, the ripcord? But What? what where were these? Cars? Sorry, now I'm 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 lost on this. Yeah, for a he second. didn't send us the list. Where were these cars stored? How did you
1: not share? How big is this list? This is why car storage places have proliferated. I guess it's to hide them from spouses. I guess right? Yes.
0: <laughs> Apparently, it's like the mistress storage is what <laughs> oh, it is. Oh, yeah, the
1: mistress. St- What's happening? <laughs> this is unspeakable. Now to Josh's most recent purchase, admittedly, he got jealous of his father's new car, so he started thinking RS3, Mm. RS5 Sportback, Porsche Macan GTS. But then he heard us, and our friend Matt Farah, and everyone that has something to do with the automotive world, talking about a Ford. Mm, that's a switch. We kept banging on and on about how this American car is so special, revs for days, such a special noise, blah, blah, blah. He's sure by now that we've figured it out, GT350, yes. Mm.
0: That's really cool. That is a that is a shift from
1: the Volkswagen group in a big yeah. big way. Okay. <laughs> Josh never thought he'd love an American car so much. It's everything he's always wanted. Mm. He's a quiet, reserved guy, so it's everything he's not. That's fantastic. <laughs> it's like a it's like a cape
0: you put on, Josh. That's it's what's so funny. I am car. being very mild-mannered. Let me go get my cape. <laughs>
1: <laughs> the saying opposites attract was never truer, he says. And thank us for getting him out of his comfort zone and influencing him to get a car he never dreamed of, but is the only car he dreams about. That's He doesn't miss the S3 a bit. I love this. That's great. Mainly because of the color. He got the same, well, 2018 orange Fury GT350. So your dad has the orange TTRS. You have Mm -hmm. the orange GT350. Only thing you didn't tell us is what does your dad think of your car? I would That's love to true. hear that story. That's been left on.
0: Also, I'm sorry about the fight that is now going on between you <laughs> and your brother, and your father, and your various spouses. I'm sorry, but you did start it.
1: <laughs> Donald M. writes to us from episode 79. Whoa, hang on. It's <laughs> <laughs> been a few years. Yeah. He says January 2016. He was looking for two fun cars, and we addressed his inquiry on episode 79. Wow. Well, it took longer than anticipated. You think? <laughs> 2016 <laughs> was a while ago. Yeah. That's okay. Mhm. Because now he has a second fun car to go with the 1993 Toyota MR2 supercharged 3.0 V6 engine swap. Whoa. Okay. He bought yeah. A few years ago. Yeah, you did. 3 weeks before he wrote to us, he purchased a denim blue 2020 Mercedes CLA 45 AMG hmm. with 6,000 miles for 64 grand. Interesting.
0: Okay, that car was probably oh. uh, you probably got it for 10 to 20 grand less than it was list price easy
1: yeah easy he says it's fully loaded except for the parking assist package the car was not on his radar until he saw our test drive video now, the one we had was 75 if
0: memory serves the it yellow one we had was 75 i liked that car a lot it, it was wonderful it was also quite pricey but he are, he got again i think you got it for at
1: least 10 grand off sticker I agree. Well, that's just it. He started looking for a new one, but could only find the ones stuck at the port with no estimated time of arrival or ones at the dealer listed for 10 to 15 over MSRP.
0: And again, the MSRP was 75 grand. So mm. you got it. You got a basically a car you couldn't have gotten for less than 80, 64, miles. 64 broken in.
1: Yeah, for sure. It's nothing. Well, he saw an ad for his car at the Mercedes dealer in San Jose, California on a Wednesday dealer agreed to hold the car for him until the weekend with no deposit. That's cool. He flew up Saturday morning, drove it seven and a half hours home on the same day. Wow. He says it's a delight to drive, and he uses it as the daily for his kid drop-off and his four-mile commute to work. Sounds fun, man. Since he first rode in, Donald replaced a roof on his house, (laughs) installed a pool, bought the MR2, had his third son, sold their first house, bought their second, installed a pool, bought a 2007 PT Cruiser, sold his 2009 Hyundai Genesis. What? Then he bought a 2019 Ram 1500, sold the Ram 1500, bought a Ram 2500, bought a toy hauler, bought a 2020 Chrysler Pacifica (laughs) Hybrid, sold his 2009 Nissan Quest, sold the toy hauler, bought a smaller travel trailer, sold the PT Cruiser, sold their second house, purchased the third, and sold the Pacifica. I Well, well, okay, but let's look at it another way. It has been six years. It has been six years,
0: but I do find it interesting that there's so much going on in here that has nothing to do with I went and bought a fun car. I mean, this is the thing I do think is interesting about this list. This shows how you guys and us as well, you write in about the fun car you want to buy and then life gets in the way and you have to buy the whatever (laughs) or the roof or the whatever and you finally come back around.
1: So life happened. Dot dot dot. Yes, including a PT Cruiser. So and glad you sold years. that. Six years. Yeah, I don't. I don't understand why that was mm. bought. Okay, whatever. I'll, I'll, I'm going. <laughs> we'll just overlook it. Mm-hmm. And Donald says the garage now consists of a 1955 Ford Thunderbird, which is a work in progress. Okay. The aforementioned 93 Toyota MR2, a 2014 Fiat 500L. That's your favorite car, isn't it? It's
0: not actually. That is. But, that is yeah, that on the on list your favorite of things list.
1: I. Don't like, but that's okay. All right, moving on. (laughs) 2020 Ram 2500 4x4 and the now brand new to him, 2020 CLA 45 AMG. Very cool. But here's the deal. He's wondering what's next. (laughs) When the time comes, (laughs) he'll write to us as
0: you would do. Of course you would, Donald. That's amazing. Thanks for writing in. Now, here's an interesting one from Justin and Renee writing in because you and I keep doing these crazy ideas. Mm -hmm. We've been doing kind of one every year. If if you haven't followed along, go back, because we went and bought cheap sedans. I bought a Volkswagen Phaeton. Don't do that, and yet it was awesome. You bought a very cheap, (laughs) very sketchy Maserati Quattroporte. Also, don't do that, and it was awesome. (laughs) And we drove them for a year, and everything you can find, and comparing them, and that kind of stuff. And then we thought, that was fun. Let's do sports cars. We did cheap sports cars. We did more road trips in those, And now we have our cars of the past doing lots of road trips. We have fun ideas going forward. We we like doing these big series. We've found this. But one of the side things we've found that's been a bit of a surprise to me, and this may sound weird, is... All of my road trip experience prior to the last few years with you and I mm-hmm. was stuff I did in the back of a hot car doing family vacations as a kid, which I didn't like.
1: It's almost like an icky subject. Like yes. a road trip. Oh, Ugh.
0: man. Yeah. And these we've done have been awesome. And we, we have yeah. two more big road trips coming with our cars in the past. We have both north and south directions.
1: I have air conditioning now.
0: I know it's going to be it's gonna, it's going to be winter there. in your car no matter I what know. the outside is. It's going to be amazing.
1: August so, outside, snowing in the cabin. Yes, in the possibly.
0: Don't don't open up a water bottle. You may create a whole water cycle in there. But anyway, so <laughs> <We're creating laughs> alternate climates inside the car. Weird. But the thing I like about this is it has inspired many of you to be just that nuts. And that's, that's so what's cool. really cool about Justin and Renee's story.
1: Justin writes when he and his wife were brainstorming on how to celebrate their 25th Wedding anniversary. They batted around the ideas like a tropical island resort or a cruise. They were still a bit unsure about international travel. Nothing was clicking. So then Justin's brother mentioned a mutual friend that was finally going to sell his well sorted 04 BMW Z4. Hmm. He says, I think you're familiar with this. Yep, yes, that's pretty much what I owned right there. He remembers responding. Ah, I wish the boys needed a car because that would be a great purchase for someone. Justin and Renee's boys are 15 and 20, and he says the 15 year old is a very proud owner of a 1990 E30 BMW. Huh, wow, interesting. Car conclusion yet to come. Good. But the Z4 is in San Diego. The owner is somewhat anal retentive, he says. <laughs> Used for, has a daily for years, but it's taken a second car backseat to a Porsche Macan. And he's kept it in perfect shape. Extensive maintenance yeah. records.
0: Everything's been done as scheduled by a BMW specialist. So this is as about a clean as a Z4
1: you could possibly find. Well, Justin was making small talk while driving with his wife Renee and sure boring her to death with car info that he told her about the Z4. There was a small pause and he could feel her mind moving in rapid idea mode. He says the next thing is one of the many examples of why he loves her. She said, What would it look like to fly to Cali, buy that car, and then take an epic cross country drive for our twenty fifth? I love this so much. <laughs> I I love that this happened, guys. It's amazing. So Justin called the owner. He traded emails, pics, suitcase, and trunk measurements. <laughs> <laughs> if we're going to do this, I have to know how
0: much stuff we... And then, you know what? That has a good-sized trunk on it, actually.
1: If we tell people to take their dogs to the dealership or install baby seats in the car they want to buy, yes. then suitcase measurements are
0: on the table. One of you recently actually sent us a photo of your dog in the backseat
1: at a dealership, and I laughed because I thought, yes, you have to do that. Mm-hmm. Well, he says this owner was willing to hold the car for about two months so they could plan the trip. Then finally, they talked price, which wasn't too hard. He was more into their story and what they were doing with the car and that it would be loved. Mm. And that is always the question behind the question. Yeah, yeah. Coming out of tech and sales, I always learned that there's this question behind what you're trying to do in sales. Everybody Mm -hmm. who's in sales knows this. There's the, the upfront talking points, but... That might not matter to anybody. It's this mm-hmm. thing hidden back here that really matters. What are we really
0: addressing? Yeah.
1: And for the owner to hear this is what you're going to do with a car. You're not going to do something stupid to it or mod it or yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, not take care of it. You're going to drive it and love it just mm-hmm. like he did. That's fantastic. Well, He says, he doesn't want to divulge the purchase price, but knowing what we spent for hours, well, Todd, you spent what seventy-seven grand? Uh, seventy-five hundred, yeah, seventy-five, yeah,
0: or s- seven grand when it was all said Right, sorry,
1: it was right. It was seventy-five hundred list. Yeah, and I got it for seven. Yeah, right. Mm-hmm. He says, you know, watching this crazy market, we would both compliment him with the well-bought compliment. Good, that's awesome. So the owner has even taken it to the shop the week they were writing to us and service new oil breaks and some bushings to prep for the epic journey. Mm-hmm. 2004 Z4 with 98,000 miles, the 3-liter M54 engine, automatic in gray, black top, black leather, new run flats.
0: Now, this is the only place the story is less than perfect, as far as I have to say, because the story's been perfect so far, guys. It's great. Is, uh, I think the only reason it has new run flats is because the owner was always very meticulous, Yeah, didn't drive it much, and that was the spec of tire it came on. because. Yeah. Run flats are a disappointment. Honestly, I will say this. The run flats are a bigger disappointment than the fact you got it in
1: automatic. I agree to that. Anyway. Yes. But that's not what this is about, he says. Seize the car opportunity is what this is about. I love that. And he's also thinking about how often will they have the opportunity to travel to California, collect a well-sorted convertible, and drive across the country. This is pretty much the trip. That's what it is. Justin and Renee sent their itinerary. <laughs>
0: it was 12 days from San Diego, South L.A., to Kentucky. They went cross-country and covered so many great places.
1: I hope you did the helicopter tour of Grand Canyon. That sounds yeah. awesome. They were supposed
0: to do a stop and, and then a helicopter tour of Grand Canyon near Las Vegas, and you certainly should have. This is a throw-down trip. And I, 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 and I have to ask this question. Only you guys can answer, But but Justin and Renee, would you have done— a 12-day trip if you hadn't done this? My guess is you would have done a you four- or five-day trip The for purchase of the car
1: being the catalyst?
0: Yes. If you hadn't done this big road trip that required you to go cross-country and you picked on the map, you're like, we should stop here, we should stop there. Oh, look, we're gone for 12 days. Would your 25th anniversary trip have been a 12 days without this trip? I kind of guess it wouldn't. And I also wonder if it would have been as varied as what you've listed here. Because if you'd gone to a tropical destination, we know all your days would have looked about the same. If you'd it's gone true. on a cruise, it would have looked
1: about the I same. Mean, those are fine and all.
0: There's nothing wrong with that yeah, at all. Yeah,
1: yeah. But the variety and the length of this trip, I think, was far better because you did a cross-country road trip. See, there's discovery involved in this, yes, too. absolutely. Whereas with the tropical island, with a cruise, you kind of know what your schedule looks like. And that's great. Stuff your face with food, uh-huh. fall asleep in the sun, yes. get sunburned, struggle to the pool. I got back from my trip <laughs> weighing more than I left. That's how it works. And, and you're thrilled. You're <laughs> thrilled, by you. But yeah. But this, I hope you discovered stuff. I hope you took side jaunts. I hope you, yeah. because we're past the trip right now, but I hope it was worth it. And it sounds like it is, because they're writing. They can't wait to throw griots on it and stick a Bluetooth adapter in it and just go. <laughs> I love that. It's such a great trip. I'm really thrilled, guys. Josh S. writes to us from New Jersey, and episode 705. Okay. This was the episode about FOMOCO versus uh-huh. the fear of missing out, the FOMO- F-O-E. The fear of electrics. Yeah, the foe. Yes. Oh. He thanks us for featuring him and his conundrum on the podcast. Josh, you're welcome. Thanks for writing to us. He laughed his whole way through the debate, through episode 705, and his six-year-old son loved it, too. The best part is that they were driving in his Passat when it came on, and neither of them knew it was coming. It's kind of what we wanted.
0: Exactly. Exactly. His son looked at him in the rearview mirror and went, wait,
1: wait, 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 daddy. Are the car guys talking about us? Josh said it was a special moment. It's really cool. Since he originally wrote in the Passat's AC compressor failed, but of course it did. That was the episode with the list of all the things that had happened to the Passat. Yes. Yes. He was informed by his Ford dealer rep that indeed he would not be getting his Maverick hybrid until model year 2023. Hopefully Hopefully around Thanksgiving. That's a while yet. (laughs) Yeah. A couple of 95 degree days in South Jersey shortly thereafter pushed him to look for a cheap, cool car something fairly fuel efficient too <laughs>
0: cool in that regard is air conditioner works yeah, <laughs> hey uh-huh. i'm all about ac you over are here for I'm, sure. I'm
1: all about it he strongly considered used i3s chevy volts honda fits all that kind of stuff and then after searching he found a one owner clean carfax 2012 mini cooper s clubman mm. with a manual 54000 miles and well documented service history I think you mentioned a- A.C. in here. Maybe you don't. But nevertheless.
0: <laughs> Clearly, it, it ran and the A.C. works. Yeah.
1: It was for sale in Maryland, two and a half hours away from him, and he jumped at the opportunity, confirmed the vehicle's availability, got insurance quotes, pre-approved financing, and three separate cash offers for the Passat? <laughs> so,
0: well, because we Three cash
1: offers for the uh, Passat. Okay. All right. Yeah. That's in writing. I, I guess what? so.
0: Yeah. I don't know who was clamoring for that Who's car, clamoring but you for found people.
1: Cash for a Passat. Okay. Nevertheless, he used that as leverage in negotiating the price on the Mini. After a thorough PPI on a one-hour solo test drive. That's a good long test drive. Bravo. He wrangled his out-the-door price on the Mini a couple hundred bucks south of the original asking price. Well done. You got a lot accomplished in a short period of time, and you were thorough. I love that. That's cool. Well, he's always wanted a Mini Cooper, and so he can cross this experience off his car bucket list now. (laughs) His wife and two kids love it, and they can even confirm it's the perfect family ice cream date car. Love it. Ian Clubman, it's got the really cool, small suicide door on the passenger side, you know. And it's got the dual sunroofs and the color-changing ambient lighting, which doesn't matter much to him, but the kids love it. Dad, what color do we do it tonight? That's so cool. Can we change the color again, please? Yeah. Uh-huh. How am I doing? <laughs> That's why design and engineering teams put that stuff in cars. It's not for you. Mm-hmm. It's for your kids. The number of times, uh, for, forget the kids for
0: a second, the number of times we've sat in a recent Mercedes project, my a product, my wife and I have gone to dinner and she just spins the entire drive. She's like, "Oh, that's a cool one. Oh, look at this one. Oh, that combo's interesting." <laughs> I'm like, yeah, maybe I get it. Thanks, but it's can funny. we, you know, can we go back to the just, just pick a
1: color, please? And she's over there going, "Wait, wait, have you seen this one? That one's cool." Well, Josh managed 39.6 miles per gallon average on his trip home from Maryland to Jersey after buying the car.
0: Yeah, and he said that outperformed the VR6 in the Passat. You think? That outperformed a lot of things.
1: I love that you go on, Josh, to compare clutch weight and shifter feel and steering and suspension. I love that you're feeling all this stuff, and it's sort of a revelation. But That's great. But, of course, you're coming out of a Passat, so... You know, a like, radio it, flying one, wagon would be a revelation, right? One that was
0: questionable, yes, for sure.
1: He says it's the Turbo Mini Dad Wagon, and it rips. I love it. He says it's nearly 1,000 pounds lighter, too. Well, yeah. 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 But back to this Maverick, he still intends to follow our advice and buy it, and then he'll have two great tools for the job. And then if the Mini proves less than ideal for any reason, in the meantime, he can always sell it or trade it to the, towards the Maverick in six months. But he's hoping to keep both and then rent out the Maverick on Turo to help mm. pay it off ahead of schedule. People in need of pickup want yeah. to drive the Maverick. Josh Come has a Turo. Maverick. Well, he will. There have it is. Yes, he will. Yes. So he'll be riding back in a couple years to uh, ask us about pure sports cars he should be considering for 30 grand. Of course, his son is hoping he'll keep both because he's already mentioned multiple times he'd like the Mini to be his first car once he's old enough to drive. That's a decade from now,
0: Josh. Yes. His, his Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but but you know what I will say this. My son Josh has done this ever since. I mean, my, my son Bodie has been this way. You've heard him on the podcast. He's he's a very tall seventh grader as of this week. Can't believe that. And uh, and of course he's been talking about what's my first car going to be. Again, he's almost thirteen for the past six years. So you're in good company. I'm not surprised Guy. he's talking about what's going to be in ten years from now. I don't think it, you're going to have to break it to him slowly and, and carefully. But I don't think the minis going to be around in ten years. But I like that it excites
1: him enough to be like, this could be my car. That's that's where the discussion starts. That's just great. Well, he writes to us as a postscript. His wife loves Volkswagens, too. So he's just going to get the get her the on R-Line, which is the large Passat. Yes. After the Pacifica is paid <laughs> off. The big thing on the MQB
0: platform drives like everything else on the MQB platform, just larger.
1: <laughs> yes. So he says, you know, he's biding his time in case a used R ER 86 or BRZ or... Hitting the sweet spot by the time he's ready to pull the trigger on something
0: like that. Everyone sells them because they think they're going to have RTV.
1: Right. Yeah. And then, Mm -hmm. yeah, the problem is going to be fine. They're just going to be fine. They're all going to be fine. People still buy Porsches, and they know about the IMS, and they still buy them. The problem exists. There will be a solve. There will be a video cut. There's a whole, look. Honestly, I would
0: bet you 10%, 10% across the board of the comments on YouTube and the emails we're getting right now is just asking about that. And the number of people low too. The number of people this continues to make me laugh. The number of people that are asking it as if it's happened to us already, and we didn't bother to mention it. Right? Is (laughs) I'm laughing. I'm laughing. It's like yes, you're right. Our engine seized and blew, and we were like, you know,
1: we're not going to talk about cars running funny. Have you noticed? No, I haven't. It's Mm -hmm. great. Yeah, it is car wash season. Always wash your car in a cool, shady spot. And always use the Brilliant Finish foaming sprayer or the Boss Foam Cannon from Griot's Garage. You can create a high-foam blizzard party right in your driveway with little to no work and avoid the wash-induced scratches. It's the safest way to wash your car. Try the Griot's Garage foaming system complete kit today and see what the foam is all about. And don't forget, Griot's also has full ceramic family of products, including Speed Shine, Wash & Coat, and a 3-in-1 wax. Griot's Garage products are 100% guaranteed, and all the liquid products are made in the USA. When you're ordering at griotsgarage.com, use the code EDRIVER for 15% off liquids and 10% off everything else on your order just for our audience. That's G-R-I-O-T-S. Enjoy the finest quality car care products you can buy at griotsgarage.com. Damon B. thinks he's the perfect candidate for an EV. Okay. He's in Lexington, Kentucky, and is currently driving the GL450 Mercedes with 140,000 miles he inherited from his wife. When she got a 2019 Audi Q5,
0: he also has a Boxster though to balance out the world. He does. Yes,
1: it's a good thing. Now these two split the daily driver duties, and Damon's commute is three miles each way. You could just drive the Boxster. You know what you could do? You three. could take your bike. You could just <laughs> you could take just your
0: bike. bicycle there while you're on at it. Yeah,
1: your catalytic converters don't even get warm in Vermont. Uh-huh. You're right. Absolutely. Yep. This GL 450 is used for lake trips, mountain bike trips, and family road trips. Okay, now I see it. It pulls a 6,000-pound boat about twice a year and another 2,000-pound aluminum bass boat on a regular basis. I should
0: acknowledge he doesn't tow both boats at once. He does boat, it's one or the other. It it's the probably big boat. that I would promise. be a sight to see. That would be,
1: yes. I'm, I'm currently towing two boats, <laughs> yes. Now, the Boxster gets driven on Kentucky back roads, but unfortunately less frequently than Damon would like. He loves both of the cars that he drives now and has a good independent shop to work on them. He says the Mercedes has been bulletproof since they purchased it CPO with 7000 miles on it. He loves how quiet and smooth it is. Mm-hmm. He says it's a sanctuary that inspires confidence in all conditions. Those are the older GLs and they are excellent. They're very good. 40,000 miles. They're, they're not sh- exciting but they're just they're good. I'm sure it'll run another 100 without doing much. Yeah. But the only problem with the Mercedes is the mommy image. He can actually take that image. He can take the Deal hits. With it, yeah the more old and dated that it looks because it looks less like a poser car with age. Interesting assessment. Okay. And he often thinks about getting rid of the Boxster, but then he goes and drives it and it always wins him back over. (laughs) The problem is with the Porsche, there's only one problem with Porsches, is Mm. that even though it's an old cheap car, people think you're pretentious and make too much money.
0: Yeah. That badge does do that. And, and this is the I thing hate I've always that thought about portions. I know it, it's one of the things I've always thought is interesting because, and I think this is part of the reason why Ferraris, Lamborghinis, etc. They don't really depreciate down to oh, you could go get one of those for fifteen grand because it's the one that is that cheap doesn't run until the Urus hits rock bottom, my we'll friend. See, yeah, you're, you're, they'll we'll be see. down
1: there with twenty thousand dollar Hellcats, maybe, but that's terrifying. But because <laughs> because more people need cheap team drivers everywhere. Urus or Hellcat, what do you want? <laughs> They're both in our price range. <laughs> What are
0: we thinking? <laughs> the Teen Urus. Anyway, moving on that's ter- that I really I'm kind of scared I need to go and, and reset myself. Oh. But anyway, no but but that's the thing is that Porsche has a perception like those brands, but it is possible as you've done, as many have done, I spent 15 grand and I bought a Porsche. Yeah. Or I spent 15 grand and I bought a Honda Civic. That doesn't happen with Ferrari. It doesn't happen with those other brands. So people yeah. see the Porsche brand And don't realize that to some degree, some of their cars are volume sellers, certainly compared to Porsche, Lamborghini, those are volume cars by comparison, which means they do depreciate and you can get one for an
1: affordable thing and people just go, oh, wow, you must be doing really well. You buy a clapped out Porsche 914, you still drive a Porsche. True. There's so many other cars that are better, but yeah. I, even though I love really nice sort of 914s, don't get me wrong. Well, but we had an
0: $8,000 nice looking Boxster. It was actually, I think he bought it for nine. Yeah. When we actually dirt our
1: cars under, under eight grand. It was like eight change, but yeah, you still drive a Porsche. Yeah. Well, he's Damon says he likes both cars, but he's always thinking about the replacement. Welcome Damon. We, we, we are your people. Yep. For sure. he's constantly reading car content and watching YouTube videos and He says with this short commute, he feels like, as opposed to most people, that he would be an excellent candidate for an electric vehicle. Mm. If he did this, he feels like he would have to replace the Boxster and then double as the fun vehicle, whatever he gets. Mm -hmm. But which one? He says the Chevy Bolt seems really practical, but not fun enough. The Porsche Taycan is too expensive. Again, has the image problem. The Mach-E is too big. So he thinks maybe a Model 3. Okay. That would be his only choice. The other option would be to get something faster like a C7 Vet, a <laughs> GT350, <laughs> curveball, <laughs> or some 911. And by the way, Damon grew up in a Ford family. His father is retired from Ford, so the family always thinks he should buy a Ford. Okay. But as for the GL replacement, he's leaning towards just keeping it, but it event- eventually it'll have to go. He says a new- newer GL would be perfect from a functional standpoint, but he doesn't like the image. Okay. He does like that it's smaller than a Tahoe or Expedition class of vehicle. And it has similar better capability than those, but if he decided against it, it would have to be like a Ford Ranger, a new model is coming soon, he says, or a Ford F-150, but he doesn't want to go that big. He likes the size and capability of the GL, and he's having a hard time coming up with anything that would work as well, and then he misses the sanctuary part of it. Just, it runs, it's a sanctuary, it's a getaway, and then he'd have to get something more trucky, truck-like. Sure. Damon, this is funny
0: because I read this and I realized I wanted to go the exact opposite way of how you're thinking. Okay. Because here's, here's the number one problem. You're looking at these two cars. I have a big SUV that hauls a bunch of stuff and tows. And I like it, but it's not the car I hoped for. I have a Boxster that I bought fairly affordably, and it runs. And every time I drive it, I just think, I love this car. So what I'm going to do is sell the Boxster and keep the SUV I don't like. I'm confused, right? especially considering what you're hoping to do. And I agree with your short commute, you need an electric car. But what you're hoping to do is find an electric fun car to replace your Boxster that, to your point, every time you drive it, you like it more than you remembered.
1: Doesn't really exist yet, does it? That's the problem. There isn't an EV to solve your problem. And then I flip it around. Mazda, are you listening?
0: Yes, or Porsche or somebody. Where, Where is the small light? Light is key here. Fun electric sports car doesn't exist yet, and, and it, it probably won't exist for a while. But you know what exists in droves: mid-size SUVs that could replace his Mercedes GL and still tow things. Yeah. What you haven't yeah. said is we do massive cross-country trips. You tow boats, places. You tow bikes, places. You do some some road tripping, but it's not it's not like okay, we do monster road trips. Now I will admit. When you want to road trip an electric car, it takes a lot more thought and it takes more time, but it's not a regular thing. Your regular usage is, I want a quiet, nice sanctuary with decent space for my mountain bike, Mm -hmm. and it needs to most of the time go three miles. That's your electric vehicle. It replaces the GL, not the Boxster. The Boxster stays. It does exactly what it needs to do as that car. Replace the GL with, I'll go here. What about the Cadillac Lyric? It tows like 6,000 pounds or more. Yeah, yeah, that's good. What about the upcoming Blazer on the same platform but cheaper? Yeah. What about – this is the thing that manufacturers are making. They're making
1: electric family SUVs. Nobody's talking sports cars. Yeah, every car company has to get that out of their system first before we even talk about sports cars. And it's going to
0: be a while. I I really think so. I I think you can have everything you like about that GL – the sanctuary of it, in an electric SUV. And you may have to make some adjustments, but in general, towing your 2,000-pound bass boat, bring it. Oh, yeah. Okay, your 6,000-pound no boat, you're going to have to shop your SUV, your, your electric SUV carefully, but I still think it solves it and does all the things your GL does and gets you your electric
1: car. This this is the way to, to shift this, as far as I'm concerned. Damon, I have scenarios for you. Oh, good. I like that you sent your car history which includes four least infinity G uh, g35s and 37s four of them like those a little bit four. No, those were, those were you were a fan yeah oh he did have Fox body the Mustang lX50 yeah from 87 yeah okay but the thing that's missing from your email is your budget I'm guessing it's pretty open and I kind of get an idea I'm, I'm extrapolating some more 50 grandish yeah I mean he's, the
0: things he's looked at right? it says it t- says to me 50 to 70 is what it says to me
1: okay like I said if you land on something you really want, I'm guessing that you'll be able to justify it. Probably. You'll be pretty okay with it. Yeah, we can't yeah. go crazy like I usually do. I want to start out with the big boat. Can you rent a truck or an SUV when you want to pull it two times a year? That's a great point. Can you just go rent from your local mm-hmm. enterprise? Go somewhere and just rent a pickup. Which comes back to the whole thing about the electric works all the time for everything else. Yes. Yes. Because I don't want an F-150 Lightning. I mean, that's the solve. Sure, yeah. but you're waiting for them. And I love your lyric and Blazer SS ideas. It's just they're not quite available as of this recording. True, can't they're getting. Really there, get though. them yeah. there. Can you tow the bass boat with the Q5? Your wife's Q5. Now that's interesting. The Q5 can tow two thousand pounds. Yes, it can. Oh yeah, the Boxster can almost. Do. It can't. Don't do that. But it's close. <laughs> can you commute in the Boxster? Like Todd said, let's have you commute in the Boxster. But aside from the Bolt that you mentioned, new EVs are expensive, and like I said, the wait times are still high. Yeah. So I I think it's time for a full refresh. Okay. Scenario number one is you sell both cars, and you go get that fun sports car, and you drive it to work all the time. Supra, Mustang, Corvette. It's three miles. Julia Quadrifoglio, 911, M2, Nissan Z. You get it. Lexington, Kentucky. It's not like you're having, you know what? The blizzard's coming. No, <laughs> get the fun sports car what hits your hot button you've got the money because then you're again towing the bass boat with a q5 and renting a pickup truck when you need to tow the big boat interesting point you could even you could turro somebody's big truck you could turro a big old truck Yeah, you could and then you're getting all the stanky water on their truck and <laughs> you know <laughs> doing your road trip with the boat wherever fair you're point. pulling it to all right fair point you have it for the weekend and it's okay. twice a year You don't need a vehicle for the twice a year thing, right? Scenario number two, you keep the Porsche, you sell the Mercedes, and you get the cheapest, oldest commute EV you can possibly find. Okay, Like a 2014 i3 with 91,000 miles for $14,000 or an old Nissan Lee for a Volkswagen Eagle for a Bolt. This will force you to drive the Porsche more often. Interesting. Because Because that's the janky, like, I don't want to drive that in the weekend. I've got the Porsche.
0: It's a commute car. I really ought to drive the Boxer. That's good. I do like it. High
1: mileage, I3, three three miles.
0: (laughs) We funneled you into the good car. There it is. I like it. It's good.
1: The range left on this janky old electric car is about 60 miles. Perfect. (laughs) Yes. Exactly. Perfect. <laughs> Look, I went back and forth. I got 50 miles left. Yeah. You still have the Porsche and you're towing the bass boat with the Q5 and renting the big truck for the big boat. I like this. This is good. Scenario number three, my final scenario for you, and that is sell both. You get an old beat up Ford Ranger to tow the bass boat because your wife wants to keep the Q5 pristine. Mm-hmm. You still rent the big truck to tow the big boat. That's solved. It's going to get all slimy anyway. The Ford Ranger, you know, you got the cooler in the back for the fish and all that stuff. Fishing poles. <laughs> But then you go buy an electric classic car conversion. Oh, no, that I didn't expect. You get all the benefits. Cool, classic something. You're driving three miles one way. Six miles a day. (laughs) If you have to detour to the grocery store, it might be 10.
0: You could be one of those people that built your electric car out of people's old car batteries. You could. I only have 12
1: miles, but you know what? It's fine for me. Just keep it on battery tender. London Electric Cars builds old minis. With the motor and drive train from a Nissan Leaf, gives you 70 miles of city driving. That's fun. But, you know, those are in the UK. Yeah. So how about Moment Motors in Austin, Texas? They build Z cars, old Z cars and Alphas, oh, and yeah. old BMWs yeah, like yeah, an old 2002. Do. The price is going up from here, but you want something fun to drive, interesting, and it's still your commuter. It's the fun car and you mm-hmm. drive it to work. And so you, mm-hmm. get, you drive it all week long. You only deal with the boats when you're using SUVs or vice versa. Zelectric makes a Porsche 356 or a Carmen Ghia or a Volkswagen Microbus. Let's keep going. You said you're a Ford family. Go look at electric GT. You can get an E-Stang.
0: Oh, no. That's
1: right. A 1966 Ford Mustang converted to an EV. E-Stang. If if the (laughs) Mach-E... Didn't offend
0: you enough as a Mustang fan. <laughs> Let's just go with the East Egg. If you really want just, to just grind that that brand name into the earth and be like, this is what Mustangs aren't, the
1: East Egg. <laughs> See, oh, like, man. Family, look, I'm driving a vintage Mustang. It's coming. Mustang. I'm driving a Ford. It's, it's coming. Just the commuter. It's electric. Or you can go full boat. Hemmels makes the Mercedes 280 SL electric. It's the Pagoda roof. Mm-hmm. The problem is these begin at about 350000 US dollars, so little bit of a problem but what this is making me think of is will tesla owners because a lot of these cars underpinnings will be tesla batteries and drivetrains shoved into classic cars sure yeah. so will the tesla owners be intrigued and filled with wonder or will they be pissed off when they see an old classic car plugged into a supercharger interesting okay you've taken my spy tesla underneath huh mm. oh that's cool, or I'm mad. I'm
0: going to I'm gonna go one other route real quick, Damon, with, with a couple other thoughts for you. Also, instead of doing a full electric SUV, you could do the middle ground, guys. I'm going to bring up two. Okay. One is the Grand Cherokee 4xe we recently drove, which oh, only yeah. has like 20 or 30 miles of electric range, but it has a lot of power as a result of being a hybrid platform. Similar idea from BMW is the X5 XDrive 45E. These are both... Partial electric vehicles. They for your commute. You're never going to crack the gas motor. Yeah, but the Cherokee tows six thousand pounds. The BMW tows seventy five hundred. They are full size, nice. Executive there class, you go. excellent SUVs that directly replace your Mercedes, but get you that a little bit of electric commute because that's how you're going to use it most of the time. But when you need to tow the big stuff, you can. So I'm wondering mm. if where we are mm. in the market right now, those might make more sense than full electric. I still think personally the Boxster stays, but I love all your scenarios, Paul.
1: E Stang. Stop. On Instagram, K. A. Talbot asks you, Todd, why do they remove headrests in movies and TV?
0: visibility for that the camera. It? It's, that's
1: why they, they remove them for camera. So I've noticed also, a camera. And they also, it's
0: one of the reasons they also sometimes don't have people wearing seatbelts. Now that's become less common in the same reason that you don't show people smoking anymore. They always make sure that people driving are always wearing their seatbelt. but there's eras where they took the, the headrests off because what you want to do is you want to shoot. You want to have the cameraman sitting in the back seat. But if you sat in the back seat of a modern car, the headrests are blocking the person you're doing the over the shoulder shot of.
1: suppose, but you, uh, it's obvious. You can it's see obvious, the mount points. Which is
0: one of the reasons they've stopped doing and it's it. Goofy but, it but it was a thing for a while, and it depends, it depends a lot on the car you use for the production, yeah. all that kind of stuff. So it's straight up for camera visibility. Those darn
1: carbon buckets.
0: Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I'll, I'll fix you, cameraman. But, but it's absolutely just so we can see people better. Petrolhead 2003 says, did we see Doug DeMuro's video on the hardest parts of making car YouTube videos? You know, because you called it out, I went and watched it. And Doug's issues are not our issues. (laughs) Sorry, that's a a headline I didn't intend. That goes other places. That's funny. But let's be honest. Doug DeMuro is a phenomenon, okay? He has been relentless with two or three videos a week for years. Mm -hmm. And he makes a video that does badly, and it does better than our entire month. Yeah, I, I just yeah. that's the crazy thing part he of the makes deal. an unbelievable amount of money with his YouTube videos and also because of the way he does them, which is not really about driving experience, which is what you and I are focused on. They also appeal to people that don't care much about driving, but are just curious about vehicles, curious about, uh, you know, what is this new product? He speaks very well to that as well. He does good stuff. So his issues are not our issues. He's asking, Petrolhead2003 is saying, what are the hardest parts about doing what we do? And I'm not going to go too far down this rabbit hole because it is lengthy. But I will say the headline is, we've been doing this for 15 years. And I still think, and Paul spearheads this masterfully, that the hardest part is just getting the cars. It is amazing how even with really good relationships with manufacturers, how difficult it is to get multiple cars together on the same day at the same time to shoot them. It's hard. It, 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 the the reason that yeah. most people do a single car review is because a single car is hard enough but you can get on a rotation and you're now getting press cars and it's all happening and okay We hopefully you'll feed us with press cars and thankfully our test drive channel is fed by this and it works very well and thank you for watching that as well. Test drive videos is the channel for all of these individual car reviews where you and I sit in it together it feels kind of like a podcast. That's also the source of our Wednesday that'll be tomorrow podcast is audio from those test drives. Yeah, so right. that's where that comes from and that's really cool. But the stuff on our main channel the stuff on our TV show the stuff that is the things that you and I set out to do from the beginning is a car comparison yes and we did not know when we started how (laughs) difficult it would be to get three cars together regularly two cars is hard enough but three is is difficult four is nearly impossible we've done a couple four car shoots and we we practically sit in the corner and just need a minute when it's over because it's just so hard to get the cars together even when the manufacturers are on board the actual scheduling when they've gone yeah we'll help you with that from that conversation where they've said yes to car in front of you is still a fight
1: every you would think it would get easier it has not <laughs> it's not but a little byproduct of that and that is having to reveal to the manufacturers or the reps what cars their car that i'm requesting are going up against mm-hmm. and i have to navigate approvals because I have to say the dirty word of their competitor yeah, and the model yeah. and say, well, we'd like to do this comparison. Fortunately, you and I have been doing this long enough where it's something we're known for. Yes. And we've yes. also made it clear that if you mention a car in a magazine article or review, we want to know where it is yeah, because we know you can't rely on your driving experience from six months ago to say, I got this. I know how to dr- drives mm-hmm. and inform your commentary and just say, well, well, how come that car didn't join you? It's hard to get that car scheduled next to the other one. For sure. But I have to always reveal the story. And there's many car companies that kind of want to know the premise. What are you comparing? And we've been turned down before because either that vehicle does not fit in the perceived market, Mm -hmm. the luxury Mm -hmm. market that they're trying to position the brand in. And so they don't want to compete against those. Sometimes we'll just work around that by leaning on private owner cars and do it anyway. Yeah. Because we want to shoot how we think and how people shop and our headspace for our audience for you guys listening. Yeah, but I ha- always have to say, yeah, it's going to go up against this car. I hope that's cool. Many times, manufacturers are on board with it because yeah. they're wanting. To they're see curious it. as well. Yeah, they want to see it done that but way. Yes, yeah. uh, you know, always uh, a little tough. Nick Lancey. Asks well, he says historically there's been a trickle down effect of cutting edge racing technology, eventually becoming part of standard manufacturing practiced for mass market cars. Do we believe that eventually carbon fiber will be a commonplace building material due to advancements in manufacturing technologies or will its brittle nature prevent it from mass adoption? Mm. I think Nick, this is a little bit of old information, 2016, 2017, somewhere around there. But, uh, because it's not necessarily manufacturing technologies or adoption, whether it's brittle or not, because it's proven in race cars that it will protect drivers. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it's designed to take loads in one, maybe two direction, but generally a direction. And it's very good at doing that while providing lightweight structures. But for mass adoption, really, it comes down to the price per pound or price per kilogram of pitch.
0: And mm, I was told mm.
1: by some uh, some professors at University of Utah here, we were having this conversation, and they said about then it was 10 to $12 per pound. Okay. And they said to be actually viable, it needs to be 5 to $6 per pound. Mm. Now, manufacturing and the world has gone crazy since then, so sure. I'm not sure what's viable and what's not. But it's not going to be the entire car made of carbon fiber because crash crashes happen in all different directions. There isn't a single load that a, a carbon fiber part can be calculated mm. uh, usually fea that, that you know the load is in this direction like a race car part
0: isn't one of the other issues the fact that it is designed to shatter whereas most other car parts are designed to bend and you can yes. you can take a typical bumper and you can get a slice in it yes and you can patch the slice a carbon fiber, yes, fiber bumper is going to be issue. like let's bring in an entire new carbon fiber bumper and here is the big number
1: with a comma in it yeah and that's what he's saying as far as a brittle thing. And and you're right. They will explode upon impact. Whereas you want a passenger car to distribute the forces or redistribute the forces Mm -hmm. to other areas of the car. And that's what manufacturers are always trying to do. They're Mm -hmm. using bonding and adhesives and then different strengths of steel based on what they know about the the crashes and, and crash testing. But then it ultimately has to be crash tested. So, even though those cars can't be used again, but imagine making all these carbon parts and then they, you know, you crash them and that—that's it that as well. True. But the other problem is those shards are very sharp. Not mm, that steel mm-hmm. and aluminum aren't, but they're—they you know, don't shatter. razor blades. Those at that point. those
0: other products don't shatter like carbon mm-hmm. fiber does and make big those sharp ends.
1: And it's also, I think that batteries will continue to get lighter. I don't think future electric cars are going to be a combination of super lightweight carbon fiber chassis with the same old heavy batteries. Mm. Batteries Mm. are going to get lighter just by virtue of technology progressing. And they can fit in similar enclosures. The car itself for future lightweighted Mm. sports cars. Particular, you know, we're talking lightweight EVs, that kind of thing, sports cars. Sure, there might be a, a bit of a mix, but in racing, you have specific a formula to follow you have specific rules that's what the formula is here's how much the cars can weigh not more i mean if you want to weigh it, have a way more fine that's kind of up to you but here's the where where the weight is distributed here's the recipe for the car that's what the formula says it should Mm -hmm. be that's where it comes from and so technology is progressing and you, you want to use the lightweight materials because the crash standards are completely different than passenger cars
0: yeah true 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 Crash Test O one on Instagram is asking a great question. He said, Would either of us consider owning an EV even as a third or fourth car? And would the car community community consider that selling out Crash Test O one? I, I wanna step through here carefully because my, my original answer here is absolutely I would own an EV. Mm-hmm. I, I I don't mm-hmm. I don't have any hatred for an E V. And and if you've gotten the impression listening to this podcast or watching our videos that we just we hate EVs, that's simply not the case. Right. The problem right. that I have is the EVs in general, especially outside of car media, I think in car media, those of us you listening, you like cars. You're obsessed with cars. You like driving cars. The rest of everybody else, which is a large group, by the way. We are a small pool comparatively. (laughs) Everybody else that doesn't like driving, doesn't like commuting, doesn't understand why cars exist, all that kind of stuff, they are all starting to believe in mass that electric cars are coming to save us all. And that electric cars aren't going to have downsides. That's the thing about it that I find inexplicable. They aren't mm-hmm. going to have, they're going to be just this perfect thing that always runs and doesn't pollute and doesn't cause any problems. And if we could just get rid of the cars that burn that terrible oil, all our problems will be solved. And I simply don't believe that. Mm-hmm. So the issues of mass market electric cars on the road, because, again, right now, like worldwide, it's still less than 10 percent, folks. Oh, it's like five percent in this country. We're having charging problems. We're having battery source problems. I am not saying that these problems exist because electric cars shouldn't exist. I'm just saying they exist at this tiny percentage what about its scale? What happens with the mining and the electrical infrastructure? We don't know. The, the answer is we don't know. Right. So right. I have no problem with happily own. I've almost bought an I-3 more than once. To have a little runabout electric commuter? Yes, please. Now, yeah. I don't commute in Los Angeles. If I did, I'd sell my Lotus and buy an electric. I get it. I would be perfectly happy having an electric car. I want to still have cars that are fun to drive. And as of this moment, middle of 2022, electric cars, besides their roller rollercoaster acceleration, they're not fun. Mm-hmm. Because mm-hmm. I like lightweight cars. And guess what? Electrics aren't light. so i expect to have a mix of cars but i also expect the general public and you guys in general to own a mix of cars in the remainder of our lifetime that burn
1: oh that one does that oh that's interesting Mm -hmm. and i also maintain noise will still sell that will still be a big feature of what people are looking for in a car but there's so many benefits of electric cars too tools for jobs tools for jobs big time it's a question from rj giacamelli saying it's becoming a common design choice due to crash standards Or is it becoming a common design choice or is it just cheaper manufacturing to have the front of the hood, the shut line stop before the top of the front bumper Mm. instead of just being one complete piece before the grill? He's noticing it more and more, especially on the Lincoln Co 01 that I posted online, but also on the Accord, the new Civic and HRV. Well, you have to understand that every design is evaluated for shut lines. Mm. You'll see the design in clay. And then you have to speak. Designers generally know when they're designing a part, they have to understand manufacturing processes. That's the beauty and what industrial design is all about. You're creating art that can be manufactured. If you don't understand the manufacturing process of the thing Mm -hmm. you're sketching, you're an artist. You're not a designer. (laughs) There it are no parameters
0: you have to abide by. Yeah. Well, molded or
1: pulled out of a tool or stamped out of sheet metal, mm-hmm. or what is that manufacturing process? How is it fastened together? How do the parts go together? Mm-hmm. You have to be thinking about all that stuff as you're sketching. How is this going to be made? So mm-hmm. for the most part, designers understand the parts that they're sketching and drawing and creating digitally, You kind of know generally where the shut line is going to be, but they get adjusted as you understand, well, that surface, if we continue like that, that's going to create an undercut right there. If we keep the shut line right there, Mm. we're going to have to pull it all the way back here to pull out of the tool properly.
0: Interesting. Well,
1: that now just makes for a more expensive tool. We need to keep our tooling costs down. So you're going to have to redesign that surface. Interesting. Interesting. Bummer, that was a pretty surface. I really like that. Can we all agree that's pretty? (laughs) That's the back and forth that constantly happens. So if it's a trend you're seeing, it's just because this is how modern car designs look these days. As manufacturing processes change and grow, and companies willing to invest or take on higher tooling costs to create that design, that means you, the design team, you're the intermediary, between legal and marketing and engineering and the people who just want to make it, you know, simply, you have to convince management that it's worth the extra tooling dollars to spend on this cool design because it'll amortize the tooling by selling more (laughs) copies of the design. That's what you have to do as the designer and they fall in love with the design. Yeah, we agree. And sometimes it doesn't always work out and sales Mm, fall mm. flat and then you have to reevaluate things. Other times it's a massive hit and look what we've done. And, the tooling is paid for and you've we're going to make crown victorias
0: design. for the next 30 years. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. So, so the, the designers wiggles. are
1: always thinking about this stuff and where, where generally are my shut lines going to be? You want to sketch those on. I mean, engineers are looking at the drawings mm-hmm. and they're looking at the CAD models that designers make. And this is always a back and forth. So you're just seeing the manifestation of that. And that's just kind of a common thing. You know, well, this piece is going to pull out like that and we're going to, you know, use this urethane on the front and the sheet metal ends there and, Mm. Thusly let it be so and that'll give us our design and save money and tooling costs are kept down and make the you know marketing and and budget people happy and I get my design it's amazing it's how nice often
0: when you hear what actually different parts cost on cars <laughs> and how the accounting department does they will argue about a fraction of a penny yes. because if we're going to make a million of these the fraction of the penny starts to actually add up to savings yeah so that's why it, it's amazing how much it changes michael uh, peregrine says on facebook he has he had a family of three happy family of three he and his wife and their two-year-old and they bought an 86 and they were happy except now they're a family of four. Oh, uh yeah few months later, wife was pregnant again. Now they are a family of four, which means they have a four-year-old and a one-year-old, which means they cannot all use the 86. Hmm. So his question is, should he cut his losses and replace the 86 with a genuine two-seater? So what I'm already reading in, Michael, is that you have a family car. (laughs) That's what you said. Because you're talking about actually making the 86, replacing it with something even less usable. Could you just get a dedicated two-seater? So you've kind of made the 86 work as a dad card now owned is what I'm reading in. My big question to you is you don't have to. Do you still like the 86? If your only purpose for the 86 is clearly you and your wife or you and one of the kids goes somewhere. And that's how it's going to be used, and that's fine. And I've used the, our eighty-six. We use like a two-seater. We don't really use it like a three or even four-seater. I put we put my son back there recently for a forty-minute drive, and he had to ride sideways in that's the back. Right. He was very ready to be done. Three of us got there. Yeah, but he was like, Dad, my hip hurts. I'm riding sideways. This needs to stop. So, my question for you, Michael, is: Is there a reason to replace the eighty-six? Yes, you're only going to use it as a two-seater going forward. It's an excellent two-seater. But if you're wanting something, even if you're thinking this is your excuse to go more focused, then, yeah, get yourself a Boxster or a Miata, and then you
1: have a date night car. But the 86 can do that, too. I've been wrestling with this one last question from Alex HC09: What is the last great iconic hero car in a movie? I think it's James Bond.
0: Oh, is it not? All the Vantage. uh, the, The Vantage or the Astons. Yeah, the Astons, yeah. Right? Yeah, yeah. I think that's... DB5,
1: I think, or DB4, DB5?
0: Yeah, and then but then of course he's had all the more recent vantages of late and so that that still is like the hero car. I hmm We're going to, there's, there's, I feel like there's a couple that I'm missing that are obvious, but you're right. It is less common now than it was where you have that car in the movie, like Smokey and the Bandit or whatever, where the car was practically a character. I mean, back to the future was a big one, for example. That's a good one. That's one of the biggest ones of all time. You're talking about Marty's Toyota, aren't you? Yes, exactly. I'm talking about the, 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 the truck. Of course I am. Yeah. I'm talking about, yeah, the family car. No, um, the, that was the thing is that when the, the car itself is a character, I'm not sure that's happened to that level in a long time.
1: That's yeah. a good one. Keep pondering. In the meantime, guys, write to us your topic Tuesdays, your car conclusions, of course, and most of all, your car debates. We love hearing from you guys. TV at gmail.com. We're looking forward to next time. As always, cheers, everyone.